Section three, six key practices. At Christ Presbyterian Church, we affirm that the Lord formed the church for a purpose, to be a community of faith that is bound together for the purposes of giving glory to Christ and living as his witnesses in the world. This is why our mission is to follow Christ in his mission of loving people, places, and things to life. As we've prayed through and diligently worked through distilling our mission down into specific practices, we've zeroed in on three areas of focus, worship, connect, and serve. Our vision for a flourishing follower of Christ is somebody who worships Jesus regularly with the local church weekly and personally every day, is committed to people in the church and befriending and bringing in those outside the church, and is serving in their church, but also enhancing the flourishing of their world in the places where they live, work, and play. The idea behind Worship, Connect, and Serve is not to decide which of these should be our focus, but to focus on and grow in all three of them. Our hope is that we would shift our mindset so that we plan our lives around our connection to the body of Christ rather than trying to fit the church in around whatever else we may have going on. All of this is in an effort to help us love God and neighbor, which Jesus said summarizes the entire law of God. So where do we start? We've distilled this vision down into six fundamental practices, two that are focused on worship, two that are focused on connection, and two that are focused on service. And so let's unpack them together. Step one, worship. The first practice here is be fully present with the church every single Sunday. In the book of Hebrews, we read about an early church who had already formed the habit of not meeting together. They habituated not being present with their church. And we're living in a time when we are faced with the choice of whether or not to be faithful, spiritually maturing people. One sign that we're struggling to do this is that we trade the habit of worshiping alongside our brothers and sisters in Christ for either worshiping alone or not worshiping at all. The faith Christians share is a faith that is headed someplace to an eternity of worship and delight as a united people in the presence of our Savior and King. In this life, the local church exists in part to serve as a dress rehearsal for that. There's no such thing as individualized Christianity where one person or even one family can say of the rest of the church, I don't need you, or I'm not going to be an active part of you. And so we are committed to cultivating this practice. Be fully present with the church every Sunday. As we read in Hebrews, do not forsake meeting together all the more as you see the day approaching. Statistically, church-going people in America attend church an average of 1.8 times per month. At Christ Presbyterian Church, we don't just want to see that number increase to 2.5. We want to see it increase to four to five times per month, every Sunday. We want to cultivate the habit of corporate worship in such a way that we're building the rest of our lives around worshiping Christ with his people rather than trying to fit worship in as an add-on. Why do we want this? Why, why is this important for us? It's because scripture calls us to this. Because in God's wisdom, Christ said of his people, you collectively are my bride. You all need each other, and I regard you as one. Jesus will not return to gather a collection of unconnected individuals. He is coming for his collective bride, the church. And the deeper reason 
for why we should be fully present with the church every Sunday is this. We have been invited. We've been invited into the presence of God. A way has been made by the one who loved us and gave himself for us. When, because of your sin and mine, God owed us nothing in terms of eternal fellowship with him, unthinkable access to God has been given to us. And so we have confidence to enter the presence of God. Through Christ's flesh, he has opened the way for us to have lasting, unbroken fellowship with our creator. The church is the only place in your life that says when you come, you don't have to put your best foot forward. In fact, you put your worst foot forward. You don't need to impress anyone to belong here. What we bring instead is our need, and what we trust in is the work of Christ on our behalf. So let us hold fast to the confession of our hope. Let's stir one another up to do the same. That's why I need you here. That's why you need others here. That's why others need you here, to hold each other up, to stir one another's confidence, to remind each other that the gospel is true, and so be fully present with the church every Sunday. That's practice one. Practice two is this, be fully present with Jesus every single day. Following Jesus through daily scripture reading and prayer are forms of art. They're not just things we do, but these are things that we practice. And here's a promise, mastery begets joy. If you practice habits like prayer and scripture reading regularly, you will develop in the craft. In a world where people are trying to find their way to their deepest meaning, Scripture holds the answer for us. We weren't created to glide through this world as cynics, turning the sublime into memes. We were created to stand in awe of glory and to bow our hearts to holiness. We're made to love God, our Creator, through reverence. There's a question at the beginning of the Westminster Confession of Faith that says, what is the chief end of man? And the answer is, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Do you think that you see everything that is broken in your own life? How thoroughly do you comprehend your own worth, your own limits? Psalm 19 says that we are people with hidden faults and presumptuous sins, which unchecked can have dominion over us. What's the answer for this? The psalmist turns us to communion with God, regular, intimate engagement with his word and prayer. Here's where we learn. Here's where he shows us our weakness. He breaks the dominion of sin. This is why the word of God is so sweet. God works through it by his Holy Spirit to reveal himself, to reveal his love, to reveal his need, our need, and to reveal his rescue. And listen, we need this. You know, Scripture fights for our hearts. When we practice the art, of walking with and knowing God on a deep heart level, we grow in our understanding of our need for grace and God's provision of it in Christ. This lies at the heart of Christian worship. God is after your heart. Write that down in a place where you're going to see it every day. God is after my heart. Rehearse that line because we put up certain checkpoints in the heart, vowing never again to let life hurt us in ways that it has before. And these checkpoints are fear-based, and they're man-centered protective measures. And God calls us to live in a bigger world than that, one where he is at the center. Spending time with Jesus on a daily basis is like spending time with anyone that often. It's the work of cultivating intimacy and friendship. These are ways that we practice the art of intimacy and friendship with God. 
By spending time in his word, we tune our minds to fix on him and our hearts to rest in him. The goal of practicing these spiritual disciplines is to move us to a place of trust and confidence and familiarity with our Lord. It's to move us from the unfamiliar to the intimate. And this is why we practice the spiritual disciplines of daily scripture reading and prayer. And so that's practice three, be fully present with Jesus every day. Step two is connect. And those first two practices were focused on worship. These next two focus on connecting with others. Practice number three is this. Take every opportunity to gather with your group. Woven into the story of God calling and redeeming a people for himself is a call for those people to live in community. It was there in the beginning. It was not good for man to be alone. When God gave Eve to Adam, he didn't just give him a partner. Through her, he gave them both others. He gave them community. Scripture describes that community for Christians as a bride and as a body. So one Christian's association with other Christians is, in the sight of God, intimate and unbreakable. We are bound to each other forever, as far as God is concerned. And so when we respond to this call to unity by forming intentional communities, i.e. smaller groups where Christ is our head, we gather as people under the authority of his word, seeking to live out the two great commands he says summarize the entire law of God. The first is, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is love your neighbor as you love yourself. My wife and I have belonged to small groups over the years and different churches we've been a part of. And the groups and contexts have changed. They do that, right? People move, situations change. But the Lord has used the deliberate work of looking for and committing to a smaller community inside the larger church to surround our family with incredible support and joy in some formative and difficult seasons. And he's used us to do the same in the lives of others. Adulthood can be a lonely time, and friendships are harder to form the older we get. But our need for community never goes away. We're made for it. And so at Christ Presbyterian, we want everyone who calls this church home to have friends a community of people they're getting to know, a community that is getting to know them. The leadership and staff at Christ Presbyterian Church are committed to facilitating this process by establishing connect groups, learning groups, city groups, and the like, places for you to connect. But the work of connecting really lies with you. You have to do that part. And it won't always be pretty. You'll have lots of reasons to decline. We all do. We always will. But remember, the language the Lord uses to describe the life of a flourishing believer, someone who loves God with their entire being as a part of the body of Christ and who loves their neighbor as themselves, is a connected life. It's a connected life. This can't be done in isolation. So find and join a group and take every opportunity to gather with them. That's practice number three. Practice four, befriend and bring in people who don't have a church. We live in the South, and the South has a reputation for having a church on every corner. The subtext there is as though we have more churches than we need. This is untrue. Not by a long shot. Our city is growing exponentially right now. And the projections indicate that our greater metro area will possibly double in size over the next 20 years. Studies also indicate that most people in our city 
don't go to church, 72% of them to be exact. We never want to recruit or steal people away from other churches. This doesn't grow the kingdom of God. But because we are committed to being an outward-facing church filled with people who are public with their faith, one of the hallmarks of our health is that we form the habit of befriending and bringing in people who don't have a church home. Seekers, skeptics, the de-churched, unchurched, folks who are new to town. When we do this, you know, we're not merely inviting people to church. What we're doing is we're inviting them into our community. Now, in a way, what we're talking about here is evangelism, though that can be a scary word, a loaded word, and when it's used in a narrow way. But evangelism at its core is simply truth-telling. It's giving a reason for the hope that is in us. It's a process God is pleased to use us in, even though he clearly doesn't need to. But he tells us in Matthew 28 in the Great Commission, he says to us, go. Sometimes evangelism looks like standing on a street corner, striking up a conversation with strangers, leading somebody through a plan of salvation. But a lot of the time, what evangelism looks like for you and me is it looks like inviting people into our community and saying, come on, I'll be there and I'll be looking for you. Lifeway did a study a few years ago that found that in general, non-Christian neighbors or people with no current church community will not be offended if you invite them to your church, especially if you have a connection with them. What was the reasoning? Well, if someone knows you and cares about you or senses that you care about them, they will have some interest in knowing what you care about. So when you invite somebody to church, consider what you're inviting them into. Now, no church is perfect, but if as a church, we are a community of people who are committed to one another, we're committed to scripture and prayer, to growing in our relationship with our creator and redeemer, all of the practices we've talked about so far and the ones we're going to keep talking about, that's the community we're inviting them into when we invite them to church. When we invite someone to church, we're saying, though I may be a work in progress, I'm telling you that I am loved here and I am committed to loving others here. And I think you would benefit from this community. And I believe you have something of value to bring to it. So come join me. Befriend and bring in people who don't have a church. The Lord will add to our numbers, not merely to grow a church, but to deepen a community. And we get to play a role in that. And we get to do this our entire lives. That's pretty amazing. Step three is serve. So we've talked about worship and we've talked about connect and now we're going to talk about serve. We move into these final two practices which really focus on how we serve others. Practice five is this. Strengthen the church <clears throat> by serving and giving. A key component to our vision is built into the membership vows of every church in our denomination and that is that we would strengthen the church by supporting it in its worship and its work to the best of our ability for the glory of God. What this means is we need to get plugged in. We need to give, we need to serve. Engage your church with your whole self. Strengthening the church by serving and giving is about more than tithes and offerings, though that certainly is a part of it. And this is more than volunteering to serve in areas like kids' ministry, though because of the kindness of God, we have a great ongoing need always there in kids' ministry. You need to serve in kids' ministry. Serving and strengthening the church is about contributing to a culture where 
anyone who considers this church home would never think the church is a place I go. Instead, what they'd think is, I am the church. Serving the church is a fight for our hearts, that we would see and embrace and live out our calling to be people who steward well the garden that the Lord has placed us in. Consider the work life of a Christian. Along with whatever family and job responsibilities we have, we belong to the body of Christ. And if we see ourselves as more than just church attenders, if we see ourselves as part of the body itself, then part of the work in front of us is to pour ourselves into the local church. We're part of this community of faith. Maturing members of a community do not only take, but they give and they serve, and they invest. When I was a younger pastor uh, and the church I led had a need, I, I would ask for help in this way a lot of times. I would say to a person or a group of people, would you do me a favor? And someone older than me kindly rebuked me, and they rebuked me for my narcissism, really. Um, because when you serve the church, you're not doing the pastor a favor. And I disrespect your role in the church by suggesting that your service to the church is, in fact, just a favor to me. It's not. It's not that at all. Your service to the local church that you're a part of is an extension of your work life as a follower of Jesus. The, the practice that we're after here is that we would be people who are engaged with this life we've been given. An intentional life is one that is marked by worship and connection and service. And this brings us to practice six. Enhance flourishing by serving your work, your world, and people in need. When we think about what it means to be outward-facing Christians in public, seeking to enhance flourishing by serving our work and our world and people in need, this involves more than trying to convert people to Christianity. It means living our faith in every corner of our lives. So in our work, we're after more than mentioning Jesus at the water cooler. Serving our work means we go about our work with excellence, treating coworkers, clients, and the competition with dignity and respect. We conduct ourselves with integrity. We seek to improve the world through our work. We pray for those we work with, whether coworkers or the people we're caring for. We see our work as an opportunity to enhance the flourishing of others. In our world, we seek to be good neighbors who care for others and the planet we share. We get to know our neighbors by name so that we can be there for them in times of need. We bring levity and joy to others. We show up for parties. We mourn alongside the brokenhearted, not with an ulterior motive of winning them to Christ, but simply because it's the right thing to do as a neighbor. With people in need, we seek to live outward-facing lives. We recognize, as C.S. Lewis said, that we have never met a, quote, mere mortal. Everyone we encounter bears the image of God and is worthy of respect. Even if they believe, vote, school, eat, or live differently. And if they have a need we can meet, we should do what we can to meet it. And Eden before the fall to the whole of humanity, though they were only two in number at that point, Adam and Eve, God said, work. We were created for this. We were created to create. We were designed to steward the earth. Notice the dignity inherent in this quality that we all share. Our role as stewards and caretakers is a reflection of God himself. The dominion God gives over all creation is to people 
who bear his image. God works, and as a reflection of him, then so do we. This is why we don't distinguish between spiritual work and secular work. All work that contributes to the flourishing of this planet and the creatures and plants which inhabit it is holy work. The sanitation worker confronts decay. The designer seeks to marry beauty to function. The builder employs people and makes homes for people to shelter them. The doctor prolongs physical well-being. The entrepreneur seeks to introduce something new and useful. The artist holds out for us mystery and beauty and wonder and awe and invites us to consider matters of the heart. That's a pretty basic theological principle, but it's one that our culture can lose sight of, that there is no sacred secular divide when it comes to work. The oncology nurse is no less involved in the Lord's business than the plumber or the pastor. Part of our purpose for existing is to engage the world around us, to love it, and to care for it. We're called to look at what God made, see that it is very good, and engage it with this life that we've been given. We get to have a role in mending what is broken, in standing up again what's toppled over, in healing what's afflicted, in adorning with beauty what's ugly. We get to contribute. And that part of each of us gets added to the work of so many others. So we don't have to do everything and we don't have to be everything, but we get to be a part of a lot of things. How do we apply these six principles? I want to conclude this discussion by offering a practical summary of how you can engage these six practices right now. So under worship, be fully present with the church every Sunday. The application here is pretty simple. Come to church every week. Put your phone away. Engage with what's being said, with what's being read, with what you're saying, with what you're singing. When you're out of town, you can always catch the live stream online, or better yet, you can find a church locally where you are and visit it. Be fully present with Jesus every day. Get into scripture. Develop and cultivate the habit of prayer. There are lots of resources online and in print that you can use to dig into scripture starting today. Here's just a few that we recommend. Um, she Reads Truth and He Reads Truth. Uh, offer daily scripture reading plans online and through email. You can also download their easy-to-use app and order their beautiful print books. The Dwell Bible app uh, is another one. It's a great resource for listening to scripture. It's very customizable down to the reading plans and even the author's accent and whether you want music or no music and what kind of music. Um, also, you can, you can just get it an ESV or a CSB study Bible. These are both very readable translations with loads of helpful notes and accessible commentary. Uh, these Bibles also come with a variety of daily reading plans in them, including reading through the Bible in a year and also reading scripture chronologically. Looking at Connect, take every opportunity to gather with your group. Some application for this. Identify and get involved with a group in your church. Here are some ways you can find a group along with some front door opportunities through which you can invite others in as well. Because remember, we're about befriending and bringing in. Join a connect group. Connect groups are one of the most on the ground opportunities to find a handful of other people, individuals and families to get to know them and walk through life with. Be part of one of our learning groups. 
get involved in or even start one of our city groups. Check out Christ Presbyterian Church's men's and women's groups and events. In fact, go to the church calendar and save the dates that are there on the, the, the church events calendar. Get those things locked in with reminders. Then the next one is befriend and bring in people who don't have a church. The application here is pretty simple too. Invite. Invite. Our city is growing at a rapid pace. A recent study conducted by the AmericanChurch.org indicated that only 28% of Davidson and Williamson County residents have a church home at all. So invite. Invite your neighbors. Invite people who are new to town. Though some may not be open to your invitation, many will be. And then applying serve. These two strengthen the church by serving and giving. The church is full of needs. You can serve with the kids' ministry. You can help with setup at one of our locations. You can become part of the hospitality team. You can teach a class. You can become a mentor with the student ministry. Explore the website or ask hosts at the welcome table for more opportunities. And give. Give in a way that is in proportion with your income, that is intentional, that is consistent, that is joyful, and that is in response to what Christ has given you. And then finally, enhance flourishing by serving your work, your world, and people in need. There are many ways to do this in partnership with the church. Get involved with the Nashville Institute for Faith and Work and IFW, or you can join or start a city group. Uh, you can serve with one of our partnerships. But even beyond all these opportunities lies the vision that we would be a church that is filled with people who are intentionally engaging, not only in the church, but also in the places where we live, work, and play. Worship, connect, serve.